Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome to the Bradley Wiggins Show by Eurosport, the home of cycling in association with Lacquer Bicycle Insurance. I'm Graham Wilgos and Brad, we're back. Podcast Pete's here. It's like we've never been away. And we've also got the coach himself, Brian Smith, Eurosport's commentator extraordinaire, premier. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Brad, how have you been? Good, yeah. Yeah, it's um, gone very quick, hasn't it? Very, very yeah. quick. Two weeks. Uh, yeah, I mean, a lot has happened as well. It has. We've had a world title. We've had a... A semi-classic. We've had uh, all sorts going on, and um, we're back at the Giro, which is the first, isn't it? In September, uh, October now. October, yeah. yeah. It feels, feels very sure. It's a packed um, calendar from here on in. It's, it's absolutely breathless. So, Giro began today, which we will come to. Liège, Baston Liège tomorrow. Ghent, Wevelgem, the 11th of October. Tour of Flanders uh, a week later. The Vuelta then begins on the 20th of October. Three days of Japan. I mean, these are just sort of selected highlights, really. Paris Roubaix on the 25th. Uh, and then October ends with Il Lombardia um, yeah. on the 31st. What do you make of that, first of all? How are we going to keep up? Well, it's good that, you know, there's no respite and we get racing all the time. But I was going to say, I'll ask Brian this question because obviously Brian's been a spectator for the sport a long time and a lot longer than I have. But do you think it, th- how packed it is? Do you think we're um, a risk of diminishing some of those big races in terms of lesser fields and and giving those races the respect they, they deserve i think you're right in the first instance we are diminishing the, the amount of top riders that would possibly be be there but it's given people an opportunity uh that may not have had that opportunity which is kind of yeah. freshening it up but i personally think um cycling's try to we try to globalize our sport which means that um the season is becoming longer it's about what eight eight nine months now and now we've got three months of condensed racing, which I think is producing better racing. Because over the nine months, you know, it's like, Brad, you can peak and trough, maybe two, two, three peaks sometimes. Yeah, yeah. But now everybody's been in the same boat, level playing field. Everybody's been building up to these three months, which realistically, you can keep your form for, you know, quite a few weeks, maybe six, eight weeks. And that's what the riders are doing. So I think it's increased the level, increased the intensity, and also increased the, the way that the riders are riding, which is more entertaining. I'm a firm believer, and we had it many, many years ago, that all the best riders went to the top races. Yeah, I love that. I love the old World Cup, that the best ri- classic riders were there at every classic. Now, we're, we're kind of so long a season, you can choose where, where you want to pick for, and we're not always seeing the best... Um, form of the riders in particular yeah. parts of the season. So I think because everybody knows this, a condensed three months, everybody's all there and thereabouts come form, so we're getting better racing. So I think we have to learn from that. Yeah, yeah. World Championships as well last week, which we haven't seen for, uh, I think, 1995, they moved the world titles to October. Yeah. So okay. 1994, which is... Um, Agrigento, which is the finish tomorrow of the Giro d'Italia when Luke LeBlanc won. Did you ride that world title? 
Um, I didn't. I rode the Olympics that year, and I was going to go and ride for Shiandri, Um but yeah. Shiandri decided that he wasn't going to ride, so I never decided to go. It's a long way, hot. It's about high thirties. Yeah. You know, it wasn't a race that you know it was such a hard parkour that I would uh, probably finish. So it's a long way to go, maybe just to get ride round. I wanted to go there to help Max and. Max decided uh, a week before that he didn't have the form that he had in the Olympics that year when he got bronze to, to deliver. I like the world titles just after the tour because we get to get to see the likes of Alaphilippe and Hershey and that using their form and, um, you know, winning the race in Alaphilippe's case. Well, that's the big headline, isn't it, since we've been away, is, is Alaphilippe taking the world, uh, the world title, taking the rainbow jersey with that late break. But the top six at the Worlds were all riders who, who so, showed their form at the Tour. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Alaphilippe obviously taking the title, but Wout van Aert obviously second in the individual time trial as well. Then Hershey just beating um, Mikhail uh, Kwiatkowski by a matter of, of, of centimetres on the line. Fulsang and Roglic. Pogacar as well, wasn't he? Yeah. He was present for a bit. But do you know yeah. what I took from that? The Worlds, and especially um, Flesh Malone as well, if you're going for the, the GC, the tour, it takes a hell of a lot more out of you than yeah. riders just picking off stages. Because you saw Roglic, who Pogaccio rode for at the Worlds, and he was cooked at the end. There was a lot of the Belgians were slamming him for not helping Walt Van Aert. He was nailed. You could see it, he was nailed. When you go to the Tour de France, the riders that were picking their stages, choosing what to do, and, and, and I think Alain Philippe said he was he was training. You know when we saw him in the tour when he was firing up the road and then yeah. legs just gone? And dying. Yeah. yeah, he was just training for the World Championships. And if you can do that, he, he won his stage early on, then concentrated on that. So I think three-week tour, if you're going for the GC, you're going to struggle the week afterwards. But if you're picking your stages, then it's good. Yeah, I mean, we recognised that in London 2012, that we had to conquer that. I think it's more of a mental fatigue than physical um, and the way we combated that was no celebration in Paris, um, straight out that night into Fox Hills Resort in Surrey for the Olympics, change of tracksuit, GB, and forget the Tour de France. Job, job's not done, sort of um, mentality. You know, no interviews about the tour, no kind of ceremonies, nothing like that, just and rest up for the road race, mm. which is what we did. And obviously I had the time trial as well. It's a harsh way to do it because there was no celebration and you forget the tour and once it's gone... You almost forgot you've done the tour, but it was a way that Brailsford and that recognised that we had, how can we combat that, you know, that, that honeymoon period after you've won a race like that? Um, but obviously, you know, Pogaccio on that, he would have been fated and, and kind of wherever he went after that. But it is a very difficult thing to do. Mm. Um, and, and obviously, if it hadn't been London Olympics, I don't think we'd have recognised a way to do that. Going back to Wout van Aert and that group that came in behind Philippe. Is Van Aert now suffering from uh, a similar thing to what we've seen with Peter Sagan in that when you've got a group going in towards the finish like that, they ref so they refuse to chase down Alaphilippe. It seems they're all looking at each other because they knew they're, they're all looking at Van Aert thinking, this guy is, is the alpha sprinter here. If we're going to work to bring back Alaphilippe, all, all that we're going to do is facilitate Van Aert's win. So is he, is he becoming a victim of his own success? I think to a, a small extent, yes. You, you look around psychologically, you can see him there and you know what he did in the Tour de France absolutely magnificent he would have he would have killed everybody in the sprint but the thing is on the flip side of this Van Aert I think should have been doing longer turns he shouldn't have been accelerating because on the drag and towards the, the circuit he, he really kicked hard and on the drag on the circuit he kicked hard you don't do that and I don't think he he rode that well I think he should have been doing longer turns at the front 
and allowed. But I think he was frightened that the other guys would maybe try and fire across to, to Alaphilippe. So everybody was nailed at that moment in time. Alaphilippe had, what, 12, 13 seconds. And everybody was going through, but they were only given 90%, 95%. Van Aert um, should have ridden longer at the front and not accelerated when he went in front, because that's what he did, and that's what his mistake was. But the other guys should have forgotten about Roglic, who was physically... He was cooked. Cooked, right? But he was there. He was cooked. The other guys should have forgot about that and started concentrating on trying to win the race. They, like the women's race, they just started thinking, Philippe's there, my legs. And it's when all we, you have more motivation when you're in the front to stay away than to chase, because as soon as you get the last few kilometres, you want to save that wee bit to guarantee the medal, because there's two other medals there, and that's what happens. Yeah, and I think Van Aert has been so spectacular this year. Um, you know, if you're watching someone in the final, you know, it, the emphasis does fall upon him, um, as we've seen with Sagan, we saw with Cancelar over the years. Um, you know, it only takes a moment's hesitation, and, and Alaphilippe got that gap, and Alaphilippe's great at profiting from things like that. But Van Aert's going to have that to contend with now. And as Brian said, when you're in that moment, that's happening. You know, keeping a cool head is is paramount, really. And, and if anything, he probably didn't accept the responsibility as much as he should have done in, in riding that through. But he'll learn that over the years. I mean, two second places at a world championship is not bad, is it, for someone who's been a world cyclocross champion? And his diversity is incredible. Yeah, not a bad weekend at all. Brian, you mentioned the, the women's worlds there as well. Anna van der Breggen cleaned up, uh, so taking the, the time trial as well as the road race at Akanta behind Annemiek van Vluten. We know van Vluten was riding with a, a broken wrist too. Um, Elisa Longa-Borghini uh, coming in third. Mariana Voss and Lizzie Degnan, Brad, coming in um, sixth, two minutes back as, as a, a decent British showing, but, but maybe we'd have hoped for more from her. Well, sixth place ain't bad, is it? I mean, she's had a... A fantastic season. I guess I guess Lizzie, as she's made such a great return and come back and won the races she's won, we maybe start to expect a little bit too much of her, really. Mm. Um, because I think had she not achieved what she achieved this year and finished sixth at the world titles, I think we'd have been sort of singing her praises as that she can only knock on from this now. But um, as Brian said before, you know, you talk about a compact season as it is and the peaks and troughs. Lizzie really did peak that period where she won Plouet and Latour, uh, Lacour, sorry. Um, and, you know, it's very easy just to, to, you know, we talk about mental fatigue in the likes of Pogacar and that, just to come off that. And the women have not had as much racing as the men. And obviously mm. she competed in a, in a Giro Rosa for a teammate who was very much up there. And, you know, it, it's very hard to keep that level. And the women's race is just as competitive, but six at a world title in a one day race, bearing in mind what we just said about Van Aert, Lots of the women would have been watching out for Lizzie um, in that race. So, you know, it, it's equally just as hard for her as it is for someone like Van Aert. Do you know what I think about Lizzie? I think she's come back too quickly. She's put a lot of pressure on herself because it's, it's hard going away, having a baby, trying to come back. Uh, I've not done it myself, of course, but I, I believe it's, it's, it's difficult to do. But I think she's, she's wanted to come back. She's, she's a star rider and she wants to be there and she's wanted it so much. When she won La Course, brilliant play, brilliant, brilliant. But I just think on the day when I was watching the race, you know, everybody was tangled. You know what I mean? The, the whole Dutch team just killed everybody. Killed off dominant, the aren't they? Yeah, so dominant. And they did extra numbers as well. But I question, when, when Van der Breggen went, why didn't the British team go up and help the Germans and Italians straight away? And that told me that I don't think um, Lizzie, because she would have made that call, was on a great day. And it showed it on the climb. 
Uh, she wasn't on a great day. And if you're not on a great day, even to finish sixth in that field with dominant um, Dutch, then she's done well. She'll take winning the Olympics and winning the world title one year next year rather than, than this year. Uh, I think it was a strong performance. She's come back well, but I think just came back a little bit too quick. And I think also at a world title like that, when Brian said the Brits maybe should have come up and ridden at that point, mm. um, the women are very much reliant on the, those instructions to come from the team car. And I think we've, um, fair to say, I think we've kind of um, let our women down a, a little bit in the past with our choice of directors that are running that GB setup um, because, you know, I don't think Lizzie has always had the best support of the world titles uh, in terms of physical capabilities she has from, from riders. But um, I think the women rely a lot more on the instructions coming from the people planning the, the, the day and, and the tactics, really, in the, in the GB setup. And I think that would have been more what happened on day. It just takes a split decision from someone in that car. Girls, we need to start riding now, you know, because the women, as I say, it's they, they don't have maybe those elder captains like the Italians and that do. You know, a lot of them girls will look to Lizzie um, and she's not probably the biggest sort of vocal presence on the road because she lets her legs do the talking and we've got a fabulous lineup in terms of young talent in that British girls team, but they might need a bit more guidance. I think that's right um, because she's got it in her trade team. She's getting um, directions from her trade team. Chris Newton is in the car for the, the, the GB team. And maybe that, that relationship isn't there, I don't know. But Lizzie's not the, the kind of dominant, I want this, this and this. She knows what she wants, but that's why it's difficult sometimes at the Worlds because you go there and ride for your country and not for your, your trade team. Yes, yeah, so you have to change those kind of instructions really in that. We saw it at La Course as well. They got it spot on with two two yeah, there in the final yeah. sprint, didn't we? So the, 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 t, the individual time trial at the Worlds too, tailor-made for Filippo Ganna. Uh, who absolutely smashed it ahead of, like we said, Wout van Aert with Stefan Kung coming in third. And then fourth place, Brad? Geraint. Yeah, so... Um, who's, who seems to have used his time not riding the Tour de France very well. I don't think he would have expected to beat Gannon. Gannon's one of them riders now that, very much like Cancellara was in his prime, he's um, almost unbeatable. He, he's just, um, you know, he's he's always been good, but he's now coming to his peak and prime, really. He's... Uh, He's a specialist in the truest sense, you know. He's um, he makes it look easy. When he wins, he wins big. And I would say at the moment, there's not really a time trialist in the world that can match him. He's someone who could. He's already put the individual world pursuit title out of sight in terms of the world record. I can see him doing the same with the hour he set record. Three world records since November. I can see him doing the hour record. Yeah. I can see him putting that close to 58k. I mean, the guy is phenomenal. He really is. Um, and he's laid back. He's always smiling. Nothing phases him. He's just um, he's a, he's a he's a great lad as well. And uh, for Italian cycling, I kind of you know they I not remember anyone as good or aesthetically good as him since Moser really in the time trial. Brian, would you agree with that? Of course he does. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> well, you know it, it's coming from difficult, Brad. Difficult not to. Yeah. During the comms today, I was looking for who who is he similar to, and I think you hit the nail on the head, Francesco Moser. Yeah. 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 He's a big lad, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. We'll be back with more on Filippo Ganna and the rest of today's action from the Giro after this. Lacquer's collective cover is made especially for cyclists for life on and off your bike. Lacquer has flipped outdated traditional insurance on its head with no more fixed upfront premiums. Instead, your monthly contributions are based on the collective's claims that month. Your max monthly price is capped, but the savings are all yours. Plus, 
80% of your money goes straight back into the collective, fixing, replacing, and helping. And the other 20% keeps their wheels spinning. It's as simple as that. And when things go bad, Lacquer's got your back. Claims are handled by experts and usually agreed within a day, with no depreciation or excess. They've ditched annual contracts locking you in. With Lacquer, if you want to leave, you can, anytime. Head over to www.lacquer.co where new customers can get £10 credit by signing up today with the discount code WIGGINS. Welcome back to the Bradley Wiggins Show by Eurosport, sponsored by Alaka Bicycle Insurance. The big favourite for today then, Brad, Ineos's Filippo Ganna, top Ganna, um, as it had on his, his bicycle, um, a 25,000 euro bike. Uh, he went off of the, uh, the ramp today to the soundtrack uh, from Top Gun, Kenny Loggins, Highway to the Danger Zone, right. uh, turning a beast of a gear, 58.8 kilometres per hour he averaged. Yeah. Uh, took your breath away. Um, yeah, as I say, he made it look easy, really. Um, the speeds today of a lot of the riders was was breathtaking, really, I have to say. Even Rowan Dennis, who was riding on the tops and, um, you know, not risking not being in that position for the wind, um, he went through the time check and he was eight, average speed was 58 kilometres an hour at that point. So um, it was um, a very, very fast time trial, high winds, quite dangerous, very slippy roads, you know, because it's down in Sicily. And we saw a few crashes, but I think we saw the, you know, there was a lot of complaints from certain riders about whether a time trial like, should be like that. But as Brian knows, he's ridden the Giro. That is the Giro. That's what makes the Giro. Mm. It's, it's, you know, the odd dog running in the road, et cetera, et cetera. It's, it's part of the beauty of the Giro d'Italia. And we don't want to see people crashing, of course, but that kind of craziness and unpredictability is, is what is entertaining, you know? Well, we'll come to that in one second. Before we do, here's how today's stage was won. Rob Hatch, possibly more excited than anyone about today in the Giro beginning, calling his favourite race of the year. Uh, here he is. It's a debut in his home Giro d'Italia. He used to rush home from school to watch it on the telly. And here he is making his debut, riding in the rainbow stripes with all of Italy watching him. It's a Giro we have waited for. We missed it in May. Italy struck awfully by the coronavirus, suffering more than most, but here to provide some national joy. And on his way to Amalia Rosa is Filippo Ganna. He is absolutely crushing the time set by Joao Almeida. 15.46 is the time to beat, but it's the Ineos Grenadiers world time trial champion who's going to blow it out the water. Filippo Ghana said he's going to miss eating his Nutella spread for the next three weeks. It's worth that sacrifice now. Ghana across the line, 15.24, more than 20 seconds quicker and an average speed of almost 60 kilometers per hour. Uh, so, Brad, you mentioned the, the crashes, the wind, Rowan Dennis wrestling with his bike uh, when he went off. And you could see the, the flags on the side of the road as well. And, and you see just how much a lot of the riders were, were trying to maintain control. It favoured some riders more than others, clearly. Definitely did. Um, I think Rowan Dennis, the, the conditions he got were, were probably the worst conditions that I've seen. It was, it was verging on dangerous and... You know, there's, there's been a lot of talk about uh, the CPA, the UCA, uh, the UCI, what they're going to do about making this sport uh, safety-wise and protecting us. 
maybe we sh we should have delegates or, or people out the course that decide. You know, I, I think maybe half an hour or an hour of postponement on on today might have made a, a, a big difference. If that wind goes up and starts to push riders over, you know, if we known the gusts are coming up, we know that the weather. We knew in the commentary box that it was for a period of time it was going to be really really bad. So maybe we postpone a little bit of it. You can't cancel it. Once a quarter of the field or half the field is gone, you can't cancel it. But you can postpone it for maybe half an hour, see if it dies down, and then restart again. But how, would you, how would you feel about that, Brad, if you're a rider um, and you're good to go, and they say, hold on a sec. Yeah, I think a lot of the, the TV uh, you know, um, timings are, are sort of key to the stage starts in Italy. But, um, you know, simple things, you know, road bikes for today, you know, and that's the sort of decision that could come quite late and... Um, no time trial bikes today. Um, you know, something like that could be very simple to implement. I mean, Ben Swift called it the scariest TT of his life. Afterwards, we heard Victor Campanats on Eurosport um, talk. I mean, he went down at speed on the descent too, yeah. um, talking about uh, just how dangerous the course was. Saying, to be honest, when I was when I was on the super fast seven kilometer section, that was so dangerous. Uh, it was almost an off-road ride going 80 kilometers per hour full of bumps and side winds. If you see the hour record holder going on a straight part out of the time trial position, I think the time trial was maybe a little bit too bumpy. Um, and of course, we saw Superman Lopez hit a bump after nine kilometers and career off yeah. into the barriers. Uh, so he's been taken to hospital. Uh, we, we, we wish him well. We hope he's yeah. all right. That was nasty, um, but he had only one hand on, on the drop at that moment in time. Uh, and, you know, he hit the bump at the, at the wrong uh, moment. But to, to add to that, the riders got there. Okay, we were supposed to be in another part of the world for the, the depart of the Giro d'Italia. That didn't happen now in Sicily. So the riders yesterday with the ridden course, not one. I, I never heard one person say this course is too dangerous. Nobody said anything. It wasn't until the winds came up and, and that made the course too dangerous. Nobody mentioned, oh, it's too bumpy or anything like this. It was too dangerous. I, I, never I think that anything. might be because they weren't necessarily able to do the final few kilometres when they were doing their recce's yesterday because it finished in the city centre. But everybody knows what the roads are like there. Yeah. Everybody knows that we're racing there. They, they know the, the sports directors. Everybody knows the, 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 what the roads are like, the bumps and things like that. But it was the wind that caused the, most of the problem. We had two crashes. We had Lopez crashed. That was unfortunate, really unfortunate. The only person, in the, the person that complained the most was uh, Campanars. And it was his rider error. got that wrong, yeah. yeah. Brad, you were saying that the roads in Sicily were like glass or are like glass. Yeah, and they always have been. Um, and they got three more stages there. You know, I think it's just, you know, road racing is my nature kind of geographically all over the place, different parts of the world. And we have different road surfaces, and um, you know, I think you, you know the Giro went to a lot of effort to make sure this race happens. We, they're in Palermo; it doesn't always visit Sicily much, and they love the sport down there. You know, they they have a right to see the race, and you know, I suppose that riders have a, a duty to adapt to conditions. Really, it's the nature of the, the Giro comes there because it brings money to the area. You know. They can't afford to all resurface roads like ASO do. They can't. You remember Game Wevelgum a few years ago? Yeah. When riders were getting blown off, that race that was dangerous. They weren't. That race was not stopped. You rode that race, didn't you? Yeah. You, and yeah. you didn't finish. Uh, like like hundred, yeah, about yeah. hundred others. Yeah. No, absolutely. But it's the nature. You can't control the winds. You know. It's um, 
the same with Tour Qatar. You know, that is horrendous at times, you know. it's. But that's probably where the UCI need to step in more and, and make big decisions like that, you know. Just to divert briefly back to, to Gent Wevelgem in, in 2015, can you remember the point when you thought, this is, this is just too crazy, I mean, I, I'm I out? Think, so we saw Garrett Thomas blown off his bike, didn't yeah. we? Yeah, I think my problem that day was more legs than anything, if I'm honest. Um, uh, just the danger of other riders, really, not so much the um, being able to hold the bike or anything like that. But, um, but I mean, since, yeah. since then, in the Dubai Tour and things like that, and the sandstorms, they've actually cancelled stages and mm. things like that. So they, they have looked at it. But is there a mechanism to say that this wind is too much? Because in my eyes, it was too much when Ron Dennis was riding. But you look at Ghana riding on the straight, he was straight as a die. Mm. Maybe, maybe he's a bit heavier and can control it a little bit. But, you know, the... the, the, the Nobody changed their bike. You heard Geraint Thomas afterwards. He thought about, and he was asked about putting a, a, a shallow section in the front. He said, no, he's, he's all in. They all went in for it. They all had a choice. Mm. Nobody rode their road bike. So they all rode the time trial bikes and you hit them from the side with the wind. You're going to go either way. Ghana riding 60-11 and he's gearing today yeah. as well. And it's huge. Yeah, but, you know, we saw the speeds of going. So the cadence is the same to, you know, if it's... Um, 50k now you know it's yeah. just you just up the cadence and the gear to 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 accommodate the speeds he was doing i think g said he hit 90 kilometers an hour yeah so he you want to still be pedaling um when you're at those speeds really so um you just match the, the gear ratio to, for that well Jean almeida uh to kind of quick step finishing 22 seconds down Mikel berg the dane of the day uh uae finishing uh at the same time and then Geraint, 23 seconds down. It's been a brilliant day for Team Ineos, particularly by contrast to their Tour de France. Yeah, well, they look like the team that we always knew they were, really. They've got a strong squad here. They've picked up where they left off in other years, and I think they're um, they're going to be a squad to contend with, as they've already proved. They're, they're almost a team, a complete team, different team to the, to the Tour team, but in so many other ways as well, just in their presence, you mm. know. Well, a big first day for, for G. So he's, he's put in some serious time on, on day one into his major rivals for the GC. So Simon Yates has finished 49 seconds That's down. That's a great ride from Simon. Huge ride from Simon. Brilliant um, ride. I, I think it's one of the best of the day, to be yeah. honest with you. Um, 26 seconds behind Geraint Thomas. The others are all over a minute down. But you mentioned about Sicily and being dangerous tomorrow and the next day. With Ghana winning, they have every right to ride on the front. Yeah. And that's going to be the safest place to be. Well, Vincenzo Nibali's lost a minute and seven seconds today. Jakob Fulsang at 1.24 behind Thomas. Um, I mean, and when you see, like we said, when you see specialists like Roman Dennis really wrestling and, and, and trying his best just to stay in, in contention, finishing so far down too, he came in 48 seconds down. Yeah. It showed yeah. just what a difficult day it was. Yeah, um, but I think Rowan... As he said afterwards, he's here for three weeks. He's going to be a strong ally to Grind in the mountains if um, all goes well. Um, so, yeah, I think it's they've got a fantastic squad. Even Teo, you know. Um, I think they've got a very well-balanced team because... Brilliant team. You know, when you consider uh, Ryan Dennis, the way he's time-trialling and, and can get up mountains, as yeah. you showed in uh, Tour de Suisse last year. Absolute amazing team in Ghana to ride on the front. Yeah, they've got the, the best team, I think, for uh, Garrett Thomas. But yeah, it's, it's never going to be easy. But it means that if you're Nibali and Kreuzwick and these guys, without that, that time trial, huge time trial, you've got two other time trials in this race where Garrett is going to gain time. Yeah, yeah. So if he's gained over a minute this time, how much is he going to gain in the next two time trials? Well, yeah. So these riders have to think, where are we going to gain time yeah. on Garrett Thomas? 
Well, so the, it's it's backloaded the race, isn't it, for the climbers? So you've got five stages: sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, and twenty. All of which, bar stage twenty, are over two hundred kilometres. Stage twenty is one hundred ninety-eight kilometres, um, and the climbs from the gun with five thousand three hundred sixty-four metres of climbing, Albert to Sestriere. Um, so that's that's where the likes of Yates and Nibali, you've got to think, are, are going to be looking to make times time back on Thomas. However, you've also got uh, the fact that you, you, I can't see every single climb featuring because of the snow. But, so you, you might see climbs being cut short or cut yep, out. Yep, exactly. You, you don't know that. But the, the other thing about it, Graham, is what we saw in the Tour de France, between the, the kind of top six, eight, we never saw a great deal of difference in the mountains. They weren't making massive amounts. Mm. And and I think this is going to be the same in the, in the Giro d'Italia. We, we don't see massive gains in, in the mountains. Um, you might have a bad day in crack, but I think the biggest difference to be made is in the time trials, and Geraint Thomas and Ines have, have realised that. Mm. So they're sitting in a pretty place at the moment. But the others, Kreuzweg and, and, and Yates, Nibali and all these guys, they have to sit down and think, where are we going to gain time? And it has to be either in a, a crosswind section, uh, if it's windy on another day, or... Um, in the mountains, they, they have to look at it and they have to attack, which means that this race could be could be blown open if they want to try and win. Because Nibali, they call him the shark for the shark of Messina. He is a shark. He will, you know, he will choose his moment and he will go all the way to the finish uh, at the end of this three week tour because that's what he does. He never gives up and he takes no quarter. I mean, so he's looking for Giro win number three. Is he? having a typical Vincenzo Nibali sort of season so far in that we haven't seen the best of him. He's very much keeping his powder dry. We don't particularly know what to expect. I guess what I'm coming to here, Brian, is do we see G as as out-and-out favourite? And then where would we put Nibali by comparison? G's outright favourite, but as we know from, from history, you know, crash and it's out, he's out. So we, we don't wish that upon anybody. But I personally think that we've seen the best of Nibali. I yeah. don't think he's got it. To, to win another Giro d'Italia. 35 now, as is Jakob Fulsang. Um, Brad, so, you know, G out and out favourite for you? Yeah, um, and just going on body language, demeanour, um, G looks a complete package now. Um, you know, when he first won the Tour, you know, he was always deflecting the pressure because Froome was the leader. Um, he's acceptant of his role now as a as a big hitter. Even in his interview the other week, when he said he didn't want to go to the tour as a, as a helper for Bernal, you know it would be easy to do that, get paid the same money, less pressure. G is a winner, and he looks, you know, as strong as he's ever looked uh, mentally. Just in his post race interview, and he's chosen his team. And just that one line that's G through and through. Where you know, I thought, sod it all in, you yeah. know, because I want the speed at the end. And that's G through and through that. He's um, he's a force to be reckoned with when he's in this frame of mind. He said he's running heavy up to, well, before the, the Giro. And that's why part of the reason why he didn't go to the Tour. Uh, so we've mentioned that second time trial on stage 14, 34 Um, 0.1 kilometres, that will favour him particularly. If we've seen Yates lose 50 seconds today, we saw him lose 50 seconds at the time trial at Torino Adratico as well. So you've got a feeling he's going to lose more than a minute there at least over double the distance, right? Well, you you have to think like that, but I think um, Simon has to to look at this because remember a couple of years ago when he he cracked in the Giro d'Italia, he was chasing time because of the final time trial at Dumoulin. So he, he wanted to 
to gain as much time in Dumoulin. I think he's learned from that. He can't chase time and he has to think smart about it. Mm. There could be some combines in the mountains uh, against um, likes of Geraint Thomas, but when you look at the team that he's got with Tailgate and Hart and these guys, he, you know, where's there going to be a, a flaw in Team Ineos? They, they, they do look like a complete package and it's a team that Geraint wants around him and I think that's why he's happy. So we're going to see a, a, a battle for sure because there's, there's teams here want to try and win the race as well, but they have to look at the, the stages that whether they're going to gain that time and it's hard to see these stages. No no question over who's the leader there in that team either. No question. No question at all. And, um, you know, it's a great place to be in. Jonathan Castroviejo rode the tour and, and was one of Ineos's most impressive riders during the tour. He's, he's backing it up with the Giro, so he's doing six six weeks of Grand Tour riding yeah, in, lots in the of space them of eight weeks. I saw Thomas de Gent there. But he didn't ride on the front, did he? he didn't have to, Castroveco didn't have to ride on the front, so that's why he's probably a little bit fresher than possibly yeah. Tony Martin. I think a lot of riders, riders would have ridden themselves in in the tour. Yeah. Into, you know. Um, Viviani as well, another another one who's doing uh, six weeks in eight. Um, Lopez, you know, obviously he's he's gone to hospital today. Sagan and Peter Sagan, but Sagan openly said he was training for the Giro, using the tour to train for the Giro yeah. as his, as his well, big target. Although, and he did get better, but yeah, I no, can't, he, he can't see Viviani getting better. No, we couldn't get much worse, could he? But I did, I did. I mean, I really like Viviani; he's a class rider. But I have to think there's something wrong with him. But I did hear a murmur that might be something with his foot or something. Well, because he's, he's, he's just under, like you, total respect for the man. You know, any yeah. sprint, you have to put him up there. I think, you know, looking at the Giro, and he did a difficult Giro last year with the disqualification and things and winning mm. sprints. But, you know, top rider um, over the last few years, couldn't stop winning. Uh, he's a sprints. class act. When he comes good, he'll come good. Um, on, uh, talking about riders who co- couldn't stop winning, Arnaud Demar, nine wins in August alone. Um, on the sprinters. Are we looking at him to be equally Definitely. impressive here? He's a class act, isn't he? Um, uh, Davide, sorry, Ballerini, uh, to kind of quick step. Um, Gaviria, UAE, and Michael Matthews, Sunweb, and Sunweb have, we've, we've seen at the tour have, have almost certainly be approaching the Giro in the same way and that they will come in with a plan yeah. uh, and not to be underestimated. I think Sunweb, I think Michael Matthews' plan is probably to meet, uh, get the points jersey. I think it's something for him. He's, we know that he's changing teams. He's going back to Mitchelton Scott. Probably the, the the reason why he never got selected for the Tour de France because it was a bit of a shock that he wasn't in that team. But I think there's a lot of opportunities um, in this race, but the sprints will be interesting. I still think we've not seen the, the best of Gaviria yet in, in the restart. And if you think a couple of years ago, Gaviria was in fire in this race and he's got yeah. the best lead out train. Sagan for the points jersey though? He'll try. There's nothing to train for now, is it? The Worlds is done. Mm. They'll miss the classics. So... It's not like you're at the Giro training for a world title afterwards or anything like that. It's just you've got to go for it. We had an all, um, someone outside the time limit today as well, didn't we? Yeah, we had that last year as well yeah. in, in the Giro. But Sagan, he went for the King of the Mountains today. So he did, absolutely yeah. gunned it up that first <laughs> climb, well, up the climb, didn't he? Yeah. He uh, was second. Yeah. Second by did Rick point Zabel five or second. Sabo got it. Yeah, yeah, he rode a road bike, I noticed today. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what else might we have missed today? Uh, the Bink Bank Tour. Uh, so we saw a stage cancelled because of uh, COVID-19 restrictions in the Netherlands. Um, but Matthew van der Poel with a 
awesomely impressive solo 50 kilometer break uh, left everyone behind on the Mur de Gerardsbergen in his interview after the race. So he's, he's not only taken today's stage, but he's taken the GC at Bink Bank too. In his interview after today's stage, he said that tomorrow's Liège-Baston-Liège is now in doubt for him, uh, which goes back, sort of brings it back round, Brad, to what you were saying at the it's beginning. It's a shame, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'd much rather see him win Liège than the stage of the Bink Bank Tour. Um, but that's his decision, you know, he's chose to do that and that's, you have to respect that's it. That's the really. trouble we've got, we're talking about the race calendar, it's a, a World Tour race, but it's, like you say, it's it's not a race up there compared to Liège, Bastogne Liège, but let's not forget mm. that interview was probably half, half an hour after he finished, so maybe with a bit of relaxation, he'll go tomorrow and if he goes in tomorrow, I'm saying outsider after that big effort he made today, but if he goes in tomorrow and just follows, follows, follows. Because I tell you what Vanderpool does. When he attacks and he goes, he goes all in, all in. Tomorrow, he'll just follow, follow, follow the wheels. And if he's in the mix in the last 20 to 30 kilometres, don't write him off. So Alaphilippe will be giving the rainbow jersey its first outing at Liège-Bastogne-Liège tomorrow. Mark Hershey among the headliners. Um, I mean, we know he's on form from the Worlds. We know he's on form uh, having won uh, Flash Wallon on Wednesday too. Uh, just a, a little detail from Flash Wallon for you, Brad. 19-year-old coming in 35th on the day, 40 seconds down, former junior cyclocross world champion Ben Tulit, Alperson yeah. Phoenix, Van der Poel's uh, teammate. Uh, encouraging for, for the Brits. Yeah, I mean, he's a class act. You know, we, we're, we're kind of saturated with them, aren't we, really? Which is fantastic for us. Um yeah, another one, junior world cyclocross champion. Yep. Um, good lad, got good parents, got his head screwed on. Well, you, um, you know his brother as well. Yeah, his brother rode for our team, Team Wiggins. Um, Daniel. Just, you know, they're just, a lot of it's from their upbringing, you know, they've got, you know, the father's a great guy and, and they just, they've kept them grounded and level-headed and I think a lot of it always stems from your parents, doesn't it, um, as to, you know, your kids and the way they, what you instill in them as Matthew Vanderpoel he's, he's another one for someone who had a dad so good he's such a nice gentleman of a guy you know and mm. very humble um, very modest um, the thing with Matthew I noticed earlier is when, when I heard he'd done that today um, you just go oh okay yeah it's it's almost ex we almost expect that of Matthew now anything he does he does so fantastically almost too good at times <laughs> well it just shows you like when we were saying with Lizzie earlier you know do we expect too much of these people now um, you know, winning is the norm for those guys, isn't it? And it will now become that for Pogacar and the like. Um, so, yeah, it's just, it's great. But I don't know, sometimes maybe myself, a little bit guilty of um, expecting that all the time. And when they get second or third, um, it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Like Hershey got third of the Worlds, but, mm. oh, okay. But, you know, it's just, it's, it's um, but it's third at the World Championships at that age is, is a, it's a career for some people. You mentioned Pogaccia there. He's another contender that a lot of people will be looking at for tomorrow, along with Primoz Roglic, perhaps Max Shackman, Adam Yates. Give us a prediction, boys. What do we think? Alaphilippe, but I'd watch out for Adam Yates. Yeah, I would say that. Um, but then again, he was going for the overall at the Tour, and I think Pogaccia in Flesh Villon on the Mur de Huy, he was just lacking that little bit of punch. It's different going for the GC. Long, long uh, day tomorrow as well, 256 kilometres. That's what I'm saying. That's going to be the, the difference. And if the if it becomes a bit more of a grind towards the ends, then Pogacar and Roglic come into it. But I think they're just looking a bit tired. And that, that zip that uh, Hershey showed to win Flesh Wallon, that, you know, when he went, what, 50 metres to go, he just bang, 
clean pair of wheels to everybody. That, yeah. That's what you need. But like it was going to be Michael Woods is all the way. Yeah. Uh, until he, he, he put his foot down. And, um, you know, Cosnefois was up there in second place mm. as well. He was a, a, another rider that battled through the, the Tour de France. So if you're not going for the GC, I think these riders that went through the Tour, you know, having their own, kind of picking their days um, will be the, the feature. I think the Slovenians are looking a bit jaded. Before we wind up uh, today's show, Quinn Simmons, I've got to ask you both about uh, and, and being suspended by Trek Segafredo. Uh, what do you make of this one, Brian? So he's, he's, he's been quite outspoken on Twitter, uh, which we know is, it can be so many people's downfall. Uh, and he's, he's used a, uh, a black emoji, um, which he's uh, is, is been accused of, of being racist for. Um, and, and I think we've got to say we, we, we would agree with those accusations there. Um, where, do you, where do you start with this one? It's, I think it's, it's right that the, the, his team have suspended him and I don't think he'll ride for the, for the second part of the, the season. I think it's maybe a little bit of a immaturity. Um, I think he, he replied to, to one of my tweets about three or four uh, weeks ago um, and I, I, I questioned him about it. I think it's maybe quality bike rider but just a little bit of immaturity shown uh, at that young age. And you got to remember that when we were younger... There wasn't any kind of social media. You, you could just, you know, nowadays it seems that these youngsters can just kind of say what they want uh, and do what they want. Well, I think maybe the team should have media trained them because I don't think anybody gets media trained these days. They mm. can learn. Uh, and that's something that has to come out of this. You have to get media trained. Mm. If nobody's written the, the document uh, about diversity in cycling, then they should read it. You know, they should definitely read that document because it will change the way you, you talk about it and, and you say things. I mean, he's, he's a big Trump fan. Uh, it also, his, his Twitter would indicate. And then replying replying to people by using the black emojis. Uh, I mean, he's baiting the people who are, who are responding to him in the first place. But it, it's, it's also absolutely not the thing to do. Well, I, I wouldn't want him on my team stating his political views anyway when he's representing... A multinational company. I mean, he's political, and his his views on certain things should not be brought into into the sport. You shouldn't, no. yeah. you shouldn't. If you've got any views or anything like that, then in sport you can't. I don't think you sh- you should. Show I mean, them. most people like you know Brian and that. We you have on. We work for Eurosport, etc. And you represent certain companies as ambassadors. You know, most people will have all views of my own. You know, and I think, but sometimes as a rider. You don't really have a choice of that. You're representing the team. You're paid to ride a bike and your political views and things should not really be an issue, really. It's mm. not part of your contract. You always represent your team. Do you know one thing I did in 2015 when I took the first African team to the Tour de France and I was aware of certain things? I just told them, I said, no um, social media for throughout the, the Tour de France. I don't want you going on social media. I don't want to... If you want to do any social media then get someone else, whether it's a member of your family or a friend or something like that. You just tell them, you just do it. I just want you to be in this cocoon, right? And I was trying to protect them because I didn't want them to to go and look in social media and see any of this uh, abuse or, or racist stuff and things like that. So it's about protection. And I, I think now that it's happened, possibly teams have to take it upon themselves to to start to educate the, mm. the riders, media train them and... You know, let them know because social media is, is everywhere, and I'm, I'm 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 I feel sorry for Quinn Simmons, but 
a young lad like that, talented bike rider, and we're now talking about I'm not winning a bike race, but but doing this. He's a, he's a young lad, and you know we all make mistakes. But whether it's it's his views or whether it's the the, the views of the organisation he's representing, someone's got to say to him, "Look, mate, what you've done is is racist, and therefore is wrong." On which note, that brings us to the end of this episode of the Bradley Wiggins Show by Eurosport. Thank you to our sponsor, Lacquer Bicycle Insurance. Brian, thanks for joining us. Where can we where can we follow you on social media for far more wholesome updates? Um, well, you can listen to me on Eurosport and GCN uh, Race Pass. You'll be calling um, the GRA for the next three weeks. Social media on uh, at Bryce Smithy on Instagram and Twitter. Brad, so we go. So we go as ever. Uh, thank you for your for your thoughts and wisdom. Thank you. Uh, well, we should also say thank you to our producer Pete Burton. Pete Burton. Podcast Pete, and I should add that you can follow Eurosport on Twitter at Eurosport underscore UK. Plus, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook. Finally, from me, Graham Wilgos, it's goodbye. If you've enjoyed the show, please do subscribe, share your thoughts, and rate us on your podcast platform of choice. Brian, you're in the commentary box tomorrow. Um, and for the next three weeks, <laughs> in for the next three weeks, Brad, a bit of TV. Yeah, bit I'm of commentary. Here. I'll be all the alerts, etc., etc. Looking forward to that. Stage two of the Giro, Liège, Baston, Liège, and we'll be back tomorrow too. Let's go. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.